0: Good morning, everyone. Powerful, powerful stories. Good thing I have my tissue box with me. So welcome to Reach Community Church. Thank you all for, for being here today. Uh, today we are going to finalize our short two-part series titled, Sand. Last week, we mainly focused on defining idolatry and expressing how serious and dangerous this can be. If you missed last week's sermons, you can go to our website at richcommunitychurch.com and listen to it. This week, we're going to continue to define idolatry and we're going to talk about vivid examples on how idolatry can tangibly manifest itself in our everyday lives. I hope you may relate to to any of them, And, and if not, I... I do pray that, that God may provoke within you idols that may be hidden in our hearts to, to come to light. And we're also going to talk about things that we can do to eradicate our idols without forgetting the never-ending mercy, justice, and, and love from, from our Father. So, we were all created to, to worship. It's it's just something we do without even knowing, without even thinking about it, without even even knowing about it. And by doing so, we bring both God and ourselves deep pleasure. But the hard truth is, as we talked about last week, that most of us worship other things. And many times, unknowingly so. So let's dive right in. And let's start with what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 14, where it says, my beloved, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Okay, so flee from idolatry. Got that? Like, so like what? And the first one I wanna start with, how about, how about we first start with sports? That's right. Sports. I'm actually beginning with this one on purpose. I I sort of want to lay out any idols in our lives that might not seem like a big deal or might not be so explicitly bad. Although anything that takes away our focus from, from Christ is bad. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of sports. I love sports. And some of the teams I'm a a fan of, for example, are, I'm a fan of the greatest franchise in baseball history. I shouldn't have to say it because you should know it, the New York Yankees. That's right. I'm a huge fan of next year's Super Bowl champions, the Carolina Panthers. And between you and me, man, I like the Patriots, I like them, that's right, that's right, yeah, I got two fans, one, yeah. I'm also a fan of the greatest sports club in the world, Barcelona, but it's soccer, so I don't blame you for not knowing. <laughs> and last but not least, the, the, the first team I actually came to love when I moved to the U.S., and really by far the, the best college basketball team right now, and probably in history, Duke. My Duke Blue Devils, that's right. I hope there's no NC State fans here today. You know, in, in, in any of these teams, or, or how about in any of the teams that you are a follower of, do you know more players' names than what you do Bible characters? I mean, I was self-examining myself, and I kid you not, I know where some of these players went to college, I know what their salary is, I even hear podcasts or debates on what the team needs to do this week to win next week, or where the players should go next year. So, some questions I was asking myself that you may ask yourself are, Am I as zealot for sports as I am for? Am I as zealot for the Bible as I am for, for sports? Am I as zealot for, for hearing debates or, or podcasts and learning more about my faith as I am for sports? Or movies or, or TV shows? Am I as zealot for learning more about my faith as I am when I watch The Bachelor? You know, I told Leslie I was going to mention The Bachelor. And she was like, you can mention The Bachelor. I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit convicting right there, girl. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, certainly there is, there is nothing wrong with, with sports. Or, or with some of these, these shows. What becomes wrong is when we spoil the gift that God has allowed us to have like sports, and turn it into an idol. God's gifts are always in danger of of getting turned into idols. We can get so fixated on on something good that it quietly morphs into something ultimate. It could be your spouse, it could be your kids, worship songs, and even our God-given talents and gifts. A good thing can even blind us from fulfilling the responsibilities God has given us in the first place. Any time we think we can't be happy or satisfied without something, we've turned it into an idol. Think of almost anything. Movies, TV shows, songs, artists, books, anything. And I said this last week, but... Do you know more movies, or movie lines, or songs to lyrics than what you do Bible verses? A drought against her waters, that they may be dried up. For it is a land of images, and they are mad over idols. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 38. Does this describe our nation? Does this describe us? The next example of something that could be an idol is, is validation and approval. Validation and, and approval is, is one of those things, one of those desires that can really control our life. It can even control the why of why we do things. You think I you know, I I think that either knowingly or unknowingly we we create a a fantasy world in our minds. A world where we create highways in our brains. Highways that we would take to look for satisfaction, to look for joy. For instance, a highway that we may, we may create can be called the worth highway. Where we may take this highway to look for our worth. We don't look to God for it, but we look for it in something else above God. We look for it in a created idol. And this idol could be the acceptance and validation from others, where our worth is contingent on the approval, acceptance, and validation from, from others. And when we do not get those things, we can easily begin to feel self-conscious or nervous, anxious or, or even depressed. We can begin to covet in a poisonous way, the people who seem to have the confidence we want, we can come to a place where we almost have a needy codependence on the approval of others. We look to ourselves to try to be good enough. We look to others for acceptance and validation, and we might even look to the world, hoping that it will keep our tanks full. And so, there's three idols right there: are right there, others, ourselves, and the world. And the question we can ask ourselves is, do I, do I do this? Do I, do I search for the approval and, and, and validation of others too much? Do I pride myself in being a self-made man? Do I look at, do I look first at what I have accomplished and the confidence I have. Forgetting it is God who's in control. Forgetting it is God who's allowed us to have anything. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. And you know, our best chance or, or really only chance from gaining peace, from seeking invalidation from others is not going to be from the favorable resolutions of, of our problems or from the removal of every worst case scenario or from an easy adversity free lifestyle or from possessions or from money or from control or from success or from approval of others or from ourselves or from social media. But it will be from from God alone. Uh, a very famous American internet personality said the, uh, this about seeking approval and, and and about social media. That's how lonely we are. That we are going on here and seeking validation from strangers. Do you think God wants us to feel that lonely, that, that desperate? So, whose approval do you crave? Are we placing or misplacing our desire for approval in the wrong things? And if we are, how do we combat it? How do we kill this desire for, for human approval? One, one pastor said, this, said the following. How shall this insidious motive of human approval be broken except through bending all our faculties to delight in the pleasure of making God first? God's ultimate goal in the world, His glory, and our deepest desire to be happy are one and the same. Because God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. Therefore, our pursuit of joy in Him is essential. This desire is deeper than death to self. Only when we crave Christ and the approval of the God-man will our bondage for the craving of mere human approval be broken. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses and enables us to do the impossible, to say no to ungodliness and to open our eyes to see the glory of God in the face of Christ, as and it will be given. Living for approval, living for acceptance, living for validation is living life in chains. The next example of idol worship I want to share with you is, is that of the gospel or the false gospel. It's about the correct attributes of Christ's authentic deity and the danger we may run into at times by establishing, a dif- by establishing and worshiping a different God from, from that of the Bible. Any person or, or church who denies the, the true attributes of God has created another God. Which is what we may, which is what we may see around us and beyond us from any other ministries, and more dangerously so, from ourselves. We can make a, a false idol of God by choosing to worship the God we have created with the attributes we want. He is the God of love, but not of justice. He is the God of grace, but not of wrath. He is the creator of heaven, but not of hell. This type of idolatry may be noticeable when we focus more about what we think and feel, more so than what the Bible says. And we come up with different revelations as to how to follow God, and then we can get caught up in this self-help mentality, narcissistic view of ourselves, neglecting or forgetting that it is from the Bible where we get the, the ultimate and only revelation from God. An author wrote, God made men in his image. And ever since, men has been returned in the favor. You know, no one's theology is is 100% correct. And and it is a, a difficult, challenging, and intentional road to learn the things of God and to learn them correctly. It takes hard work and and time, and and it is not a a once-a-week thing that we can get away with doing. And and life happens, and and we get busy, and we lose focus. And and we don't even realize how quickly we may have have fallen prey into learning something totally wrong about our faith. I mean, how many times have you come to a place where you can look back and see how out of whack you were with with what you believed? And let me tell you something, it happens very easily. I, I, I've experienced this, like, and I continue to experience it. I mean, I have caught myself believing and saying some crazy stuff, man. And, and if we're not careful, it is, it is sort of almost easy to, 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 to believe almost anything. And believing the wrong thing about our faith can have some internal implications. And to share with you some of the things that that can be dangerous to believe and place above God and and, and worship our Savior incorrectly can be things such as. When we give more attention to God's gifts uh, uh, as the main source of our happiness, more so than God himself. We may turn spiritual gifts, such as our our talents, abilities, or performances, into idols. And may neglect what the Bible calls spiritual fruits, such as love, joy, patience, humility, courage, gentleness. Another one is with the cross itself and what that means. We may believe that what happens stops with the one who suffers through it. Peter says that Christ died not so that we wouldn't have to suffer, but... So that we will have a model for how to suffer. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His his steps. Christ gave us an example for how to suffer, and with the different teachings that go around, we may see that they do not say, suffer with Christ but rather that he died so that we can have our best life here. You know, it's true, Jesus didn't come to give us an average life. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But for example, how we can create a distorted message from the real one is by looking at verses like this and believing that what it refers to is about prosperity in this life. But the life Jesus is talking about in this verse does not refer to have life abundantly in the sense that we will get everything we want and desire. It is not a, a promise of materialism and, and achievements of this world, but it is a promise of the eternal matchless gift that we can have in eternity. The, the, the matchless gift that we can have with Him in eternity. Another thing that we can fall prey to is when we rely on the rightness of our doctrine. We rely on how much we know for our standing with God rather than on God Himself and His graciousness. If we fall prey to this, we can make the mistake of becoming what Proverbs calls a scoffer. A scoffer First, shows a a slight disrespect or disdain for another brother or sister in Christ or opponent, rather than graciousness. So much so that we may forget that we are saved by grace, and we're not saved by the rightness of our views. Something else that we can fall prey to within our faith is to place our moral living above God. Because we live virtuous lives, we feel that God and the people we meet owe us respect and support. Though we may give lip service uh, to God as our example and, and inspiration, we're still looking to our own moral striving for salvation. And the list of idols goes on and on and on and on. Whether it is idols in something as healthy and fun as sports or or whether it is idols in a good thing such as our God-given talents or or, or our family or or idols in our faith or idols regarding, regarding our government and the American system. If we have a beating heart, there are idols in our hearts. An English minister said this about idolatry. Though few will own it, nothing is more common. If we think of our soul as a house, idols are set up in every room, in every faculty. We prefer our own wisdom to God's wisdom, our own desires to God's will our own reputation to God's honor we even have a tendency to allow human relationships to have more influence and more importance in our lives more so than God the human heart is indeed a factory that mass produces idols and so how do we end this is there any hope and yes, there is. But what we have to realize is that idols cannot be simply uprooted from our hearts, but that they must be replaced. If we only try to uproot them, they will grow back. So we have to supplant them. And we must supplant them with God. And, and with God... I don't mean this ambiguous, general, general belief in His existence. I mean, we probably all have that, and, and, and we're still full of idols. But what I mean is a, a true, living encounter with God. And a true, living encounter with God does not mean that He's going to be added to us so that we can complete our agenda. He is a whole new agenda. He is the agenda. Discerning our idols is is pivotal for the removal of them from our hearts. It is impossible to understand our hearts, to understand our culture, without discerning the gods that influence them. And this verse is not on the screen, uh, so if you want to turn to it, it's going to be in Romans. It will be Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. And it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Here, Paul gives an explanation of what's wrong with the human heart. We exchange the, the truth of God for a lie. And in turn, we worship the created things Rather than the Creator, the secret to changing this lies in identifying and dismantling the God of our the, the gods of our hearts. So how can the power of idols be broken in our hearts, and what are some tangible things that, that we can do to that we can do or, or practice to do this and and, and to begin? the process of of elimination. And here's a, a few things that we can try. One way is to examine what we think about most of the time, especially what we think about most when we are on our own. Where do our thoughts effortlessly go to when there is nothing that is demanding our attention? What are we daydreaming about? Is it career advancement? Is it nice things? Is it a relationship with somebody? A couple of daydreams are surely not an indication of idolatry. But what we must ask ourselves is, what am I habitually thinking about in the privacy of my heart that I think could bring me joy, happiness, or or comfort? Another way to to examine ourselves is how we spend our money. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Our money flows more effortlessly to our heart's greatest love. Is it children? Is it clothing? Is it houses? Is it cars? Is it food? So our patterns of spending may help us recognize idols in our lives. A third way we could discern idols is in our faith. So if we profess to have faith in God and and we go to church and sing worship songs and, and may know the Bible extensively, we can discern idols in our lives not by the things I just mentioned we might all do every Sunday, but we might discern idols by how does our faith really look like in our daily, functional lives. What are we really living for daily? Are we living for God or for what He can give us? And now, a good way to discern this or a good way to take a look at this is to see how we respond to unanswered prayers or frustrated hopes it's okay to become sad or or disappointed. But if we pray and, and, and work for something and we don't get it, and we get angry, bitter, or filled with deep despair, then we may have found a created God. One final way we can attempt to use is by looking at our most uncontrollable emotions. Are there any idols in our emotions that seem to drive us to do things we know are wrong? If we get angry, are we getting angry because there is something here that is too important to us, that, that is something we must have at all costs? What about fear, despair, or, or guilt? Are we feeling scared because there is something in our life that's being threatened that we may think is a necessity when it's not? Am I so down on myself because I have felt something that I think is an absolute necessity when it's not? And some of us might say, you know, I I know God forgives me but but I just can't seem to forgive myself. What that means is that they have felt an idol whose approval is more important to them than God's. What about overworking? Do you feel that you must have this thing? to be fulfilled or, or, or significant. So when we ask ourselves questions like this, when we self-examine ourselves honestly, we have a, a very good chance at pulling out idols from, a, from that may be rooted in us. If I can invite the, the worship team up, please. When we are able to recognize idols in our lives, then we can replace them. And we we replace them with God. But how? Colossians, and again this verse is not on the screen, I'm sorry. Colossians gives us a way. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, So we seek the things that are above. We set our minds on things that are above, not on things here on earth. And we can do that by appreciating, by rejoicing, and by resting for what Jesus has done. And what He has done is that He's created a, a way. He has given us hope from these really bad, 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 bad hearts of ours. So we seek and set our minds on things that are above. And we do this by practicing spiritual disciplines. Disciplines such as personal prayer, corporate prayer, meditation on scripture, fasting, worshiping, learning, serving, and and another simple one, turning away from evil. If we are lying, stop. Stop. If we are lost in, stop. If we are using abusive speech, simply stop. Just don't do it. And Christ must become more and more beautiful, more attractive, more desirable to our hearts than anything else. And what this is going to require from us is confession, is repentance, commitment, desire, and obedience. And if you don't have those things, or you need more of them, that's okay. That's right. Ask for it. Search for it. Look for it. God, I believe... But help my unbelief. Mark chapter 9 verse 24. You know, this, this process will, 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 will last for the, for the rest of our lives. And we must be patient. Resting and rejoicing that God, through Christ, with the Holy Spirit, has created a way for us. And He loves us. Saint, Saint Augustine said this. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Let's pray. And Father God, I, I thank you for allowing us to be here today. I pray that you may provoke within our hearts a graceful conviction and hope that change can be made. And it will take time, so I pray for patience. I, I pray for strength, and I pray for endurance. I pray that you may reveal to us what you want us to change, and, and I pray that, that you give us a community where we can do that, And I thank you for giving us your revelation to tell us how to do this. In your name we pray. Amen.